Luke chapter 2, verse 39, and we're going to pick up where we left off last time where they took Jesus into the temple. And it's actually this chapter, it covers two different trips to the temple. So the one we looked at last week was when he was a baby and they took him and they dedicated him. And this week is when they went back several years later, 12 years later, and they took him, um, well, for Passover. But anywho, before we get to that, verse 39, it says, so when they had performed all things according to the law of Moses, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. So this is wrapping up the, uh, the visit we looked at last week. And the child, Jesus, he grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And so this shows his humanity because he's 100% God, he's 100% man. So you'd think that he just woke up one day and he was just just going around, you know, turning water into wine and doing God-like stuff. But his his maturation as he grew up, it was it was it was just natural. You know, Jesus, he grew up and he got a little bit of peach fuzz, and then all of a sudden it turned into a beard. He got up one day and he's like, "Hey, mom!" And his voice was changing, and then it eventually got deeper. It wasn't that he just one day woke up and was 15 or was 33. He grew up like anybody else. So that phrase. Basically, it's just, he grew up like gradually like anybody else because 100% man, 100% God, but 100% human as well. And it says, I like the three, so it says he became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And that's something, I mean, that's something that you could pray for for your kids. That's something that you can pray for for yourself. Lord, I want to be strong in spirit because everything we do, if the spirit isn't there, we're going to fail. A lot of stuff that goes takes place in church today is an abject failure because it's a bunch of lights, bells and whistles, smoke and mirrors, all that stuff, but very little spirit. And we're, we're called to do a spiritual job, but we're trying to do it in a fleshly way. It's kind of like if you told it is plunged and I gave you a hammer and said, hey, go, go at it, fix it. All you're going to do is break more than you're going to fix. And that's what the church is doing. The church is out there trying to unclog drains with hammers and with nails and screws, and they're making a bunch of noise, and they're, look at what we're doing, look at what we're doing, but nothing is, is happening, nothing is going on. And so it says he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I started years ago, 10 years ago, just got laid off, just got fired from CHP, and I just started reading the book of Proverbs. And if you've ever read it, Solomon says, ask God for wisdom. He says, yearn for it, chase after it. So I said, and if you've never read it, if you've never prayed and asked God for wisdom, it's tough. That that very, you think, well, what's so tough about it? Because, I mean, because it took me a long time to say, Lord, okay, give me wisdom. Because by even praying that, you know what you're implying? I don't have any wisdom. So it's tough to ask because everybody, I got wisdom. You know, it's not hard to say, Lord, increase my wisdom make me more wise, but say, Lord, give me wisdom, because he will say, what are you trying to say? Lord, I'm a fool. I don't, I don't, I'm not nearly as wise as I think I should be. But you ask him, and boy, will he, he show you. I mean, the stuff that he showed me in the last 10 years, I'm like, you know, Lord, there's a reason why people say ignorance is bliss. It's a whole lot more fun just being a dummy. It's a whole lot more fun just not knowing some stuff, but the Lord wants us 
to be wise, to navigate through life, to have sense. I mean, there's a lot of landmines. I was telling a guy a couple of weeks ago, 46-year-old Jeremy is a lot different than 26-year-old Jeremy. And you think, well, duh, it's a 20-year difference. You know how many people that I meet that they're like 76, but I know how they were when they were six? Because they still act the exact same way. They still act like children. They've got gray hair, but they're they're still clowns. They're like, oh, you're 55, but I I bet I know what you were like when you were 15. They grew up. They grew, excuse me. They grew older, but they never grew up. They never got that wisdom. So when I say 46 uh, year old Jeremy has more sense than 26 year old Jeremy, it's not a given because a lot of people grow up but don't grow up. And so there's a lot of landmines now that I'm like, ha ha. You would have got me 20 years ago. I'd have been like, duh, okay. But man, there's a lot of gray on this face now. And I'm like, mm-mm, I'm not taking the bait. I'm not doing it now. I'm dumb, but I'm not as dumb as I used to be. But anyway, uh, so grace, wisdom, and the spirit. And so this is the second trip. Verse 41, it says, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. Every male Jew was supposed to go to to the pass uh excuse me to the temple three times a year Yom Kippur, Passover, and uh, what's the Passover? Right, I believe Rosh Hashanah. Uh, but all the other ones were were optional. But if you were of age and you could go three times a year, it didn't matter where you were. You're supposed to go back to the temple. And so they were going back, and it says they did it every year. Remember last week they were poor, so taking trips. Back then, if you're poor, it's just as difficult uh, doing it now. It's a sacrifice. Guess what? Going to church, worshiping God, it is. It was. It always will be some sort of sacrifice. If your church is down the street, it's going to be a sacrifice. Well, it's right down the street because that's an hour and a half that you give to the Lord. If your church is out of the county, that's gas time and money you spent. It's a sacrifice. It, and a lot of we've, we've been taught in American Christianity, it's not supposed to cost me anything. Jesus died on the cross, so it's not supposed to cost me anything. It, my salvation doesn't cost me anything. My devotion, my worship, it does cost me. It costs me my time. It costs me my pride. It costs me my effort. It costs me my money. It, it costs us. So for them to make that trip, Every year, it showed their devotion. It showed their importance, uh, how important the Lord was to them. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother, they didn't know it. And you can say, man, that's child abuse. That's neglect. How are you going to leave your kid? How are you going to leave Jesus behind at the temple? I mean, you 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 know, you get in the car and you look in the backseat after three days and you're like, where's Jesus? Oh, I thought he was in the trunk. How are you going to lose him? What they would do back in the day is because the roads were dangerous. Bandits and thieves and all those guys, they hung out on the streets just like they do in our day and age. But they didn't have cops to defund back then. They had corrupt Roman soldiers to defund that were just as bad as the bandits. So what people would do, if I mess with this, will it mess up the mic? Okay, I'm not going to touch it. I'm just going to sit up here and just let it dangle. Uh, what they would do is they would travel in packs. They would travel as a family. 
cousins, aunts, and uncles, and all that. I heard this this week, and I thought, you know, that's kind of cool. I, that kind of makes sense, because what they would do is the men would let the women take off two to three days before them, and then they would catch up with them. I'm not trying to say anything about women taking longer than men. I'm just, I thought that was interesting. So, but they would, so all the ladies would take off, and then the guys would catch up to them, and then a big pack of them would just travel together. So as they're in this caravan, Jesus would run back and hang out with aunts and uncles, cousins, all these people. So you could not, I mean, imagine a family reunion. It's been a long time since I've been to one, but you can get lost. I mean, everybody looks the same. I remember uh, going to Texas years ago and I'd never really met anybody that looked like my dad. I mean, uh, Robert Guillaume, you know, TV Benson, he kind of looked like my dad to me. But I'm at this reunion and I'm seeing all these different shapes, sizes of Nathaniel Grant. I mean, I did all these guys look like my dad in some form. And I lost him a couple of times. And if you've ever been to a family reunion, you know that you can blend in, disappear. You can just disappear forever. And so you got all these people. They just thought Jesus was hanging out with the cousins or with the aunts or with whoever and after three days like, you know it's been a while since we've seen jesus um maybe we ought to go check on him so that's where the next verse comes in it says but supposing him to have been in the company they went a day's journey and they sought him among their relatives and their acquaintances because they they figured he's with them so after about a day they said maybe we ought to circle back and you seen jesus you seen jesus you seen jesus you seen jesus like, nope Little guy, this this tall with a halo, little beard, blonde hair, blue eye. No, no, just kidding. Nope, haven't seen him. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. And we'll come back to that. We're going to end on that point, but not yet. So when they found out he wasn't with them, they went back to Jerusalem. And the word seeking him, they went looking for him carefully. You know, all these people, oh, I'm looking for the Lord. I'm, And they're not looking for the Lord. Well, where are you looking? Oh, at home, at work, at the gym. Also, the places you usually go. Are you going to church? Well, uh, Bob study? Anything. Do you even watch like a good Christian guy on TV? Nah. So, are you really looking for Jesus? Well, I'm thinking about praying about looking for him one day. They're really not, it's kind of like how a lot of people are looking for a job. They're, they're in the, the pre-planning stage. I'm thinking about maybe typing Indeed on my Google search. I'm thinking about it. Did you do it today? No, but man, I looked at the computer a whole hour and tomorrow may be the day where I turn it on. And that's how people look for Jesus. In other words, they don't. But they were looking for Jesus carefully diligently you know why because they wanted to find him jesus he says if you seek me with your whole heart you will find me so all these people that i just can't find the lord okay you got jesus over here he said if you seek me you'll find me you got all those people oh, i'm looking i can't find him somebody's lying who's lying here's a clue it ain't jesus so it's all these people over here oh, i'm looking for jesus at the bar i'm looking for jesus at this place and he wasn't there holy cow i thought he would have been Quit being a dummy and go where you think he is. Go back to church. And that's where they're going to find him. It says in verse 46, now 
So it was that after three days, they found him, holy cow, in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Now, once again, this is Jesus, 100% man, 100% God. He's in the temple. And it didn't say, Jesus is holding court. Jesus is telling them this is how the world goes around. No, because he's respectful. Even though he's God, he's in his human body and he's, well, he's a guest, if you would. And he's acting like a guest. And so he's not there saying, sit down, Rabbi, I'm here now. He says he's sitting up there and he's listening and he's asking questions. I think it was Abraham Lincoln. He says, you should always be able to tell who the old man is in a conversation versus the young man. The old man should be talking. The young man should be listening, i.e. the old man should be teaching. The young man should be learning. And Jesus, he follows that. Did he have to? No. But he's following the rules of culture because you can't reach people if you want to come in and change all their rules. And so he's now sin. When he came to this very same temple and they were sinning, you know what he did? He turned some tables over. He tore it up. But just the culture. You blend in, you fit in, you don't be a jerk. So he goes on. It says, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So when they saw him, his folks, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And I like it because of what he says, but also what he doesn't say. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now, Jesus, respectful. Jesus, God in the flesh. He doesn't say, he ain't my dad. Why you can't, I, I've been telling you he ain't my dad. He didn't say that. He just said, number one, why are you looking for me? Because you should, you know, basically, why are you up here turning up over rocks, beating bushes? You should have known I would have been about my father's business. In the Greek, it means the things of God. So he said, you should have been, you should have known I would have been about the things of God. I should have been, you should have known I should have been doing God stuff because of who I am. So he says, number one, you should have known where I was. You, it shouldn't have been a, a big surprise. And but you notice the respect. He's not a jerky kid. He's respectful. I mean, he didn't have to be, but he was. And it says, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Circle that, circle it when you get home, just keep it in your mind. There's a lot of stuff that you're just not going to understand. I mean, there's a lot of stuff about God, Jesus, church, and all the rest that you're just not going to understand. So what do you do? I'm leaving the church because I don't understand it. No. You just keep, you focus on what you do understand. Because, you know, I'm, I'm praying about this. I'm praying about that. I'm praying about a lot of stuff. I'm like, Lord. I really don't understand how prayer works. You know, you know, one, you look at one verse and it says Elijah, he just prayed by himself and he he stopped up heaven. But then it says the whole church was praying for Peter when he got released. So it says it's okay for me to pray by myself and there's power in that. But then it says that I should, I can and should pray with other people. I don't get it. Is it more powerful if I'm praying with other people? But can I pray by, by myself? I don't know. So you know what? When I'm by myself, I pray. 
when I'm around people that don't mind praying out loud, I pray with them. You know, you look at Daniel. Lord, it, it said that it took three weeks for the answer to come to Daniel. So does that mean I keep praying so I can give the angel power to get through? Because, you know, the angel got stopped by a demon and that's why the answer didn't come. Does, do I pray so that, you know, that gives the good side fuel? Well, probably it doesn't. But one thing that the Bible does say is you pray without ceasing. That's what I know. So that's what I do. And all the stuff that I don't understand, I don't let it mess me up. I don't understand how a car works. It doesn't stop me from getting in it and cranking it up every day and going off to work. I do not understand. I mean, some guys, well, you turn it, that is ignition, and then it, don't waste your time telling me. I'm going to sleep in my head as soon as you tell me that. And then the lug nuts, and then the spark. Stop talking. It's a waste of time. All I know is, it started. Yay, praise the Lord. Let's go. Let's go fast. I don't understand it. But what I do understand, D means drive. Red P means you ain't going anywhere. Turn that to a green D and get on. That I understand. So in life and God and Christianity, you don't understand it? Jot it down. Maybe one day he'll tell you. Maybe you'll still care in heaven and he'll tell you then. Maybe you'll never care. But jot it down. But don't let it sideline you. He goes on or it goes on. And then he went down with them and he came to Nazareth and he was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. The whole, the word subject, it is the one S word in American uh, society that we don't, we don't use. Subject or submit. That's when you listen to someone when you shouldn't really have to. It's a military term. You're getting in step with the sergeant. You get in step with whoever the commanding officer is. Do you like what he's telling you to do? I've been there. Heck no. But you like the fact that he's not in your face yelling at you, so you get in step. There's been many times I can hear, get in step, Rick. So you you get in step with everybody else who's in step with that lead dog or that lead officer. And that's what Jesus did. He, Jesus was not in the army. Jesus was not at the academy. Jesus didn't have to do this, but he did it. Submission a lot of times is when you don't have to do it. That's, and you don't agree with it. That's what makes it submission. And it says, but Mary kept all these things in heart. When you don't understand it, you can jot it down. Keep it in your heart. Because like I said, maybe the Lord will answer that question. Or there's a concern or a prayer request or something that you just can't shake. Now, jot it down. Keep it up. Because who knows? You know, the Lord, he lays these little time bombs. And you, you know, and it doesn't go off for five months, five years, 15 years. I mean, he's told me stuff that I just kind of kept in my heart. And it was three years later. And I was like, holy cow, that's what you meant, Lord. That, I mean, that is exactly what you meant. And that's what you told me back then. But I didn't like it, so I blew it off. But that's what you meant. And you ponder these things, and they'll come back to you, and it'll blow you away because you, you realize, man. Lord speaks to me. He tells me stuff I want to hear. He tells me stuff I like. He tells me stuff I don't want to hear and I don't like. But the thing is, he just speaks to me. And I dig that. It says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. He grew up like any old regular Joe or Joseph. And he just, you know, it's not like 
because we read the Bible, because the next time we read, Jesus is going to be a grown man. So it's like, is that how he grew up? No, the next day, you know what he did? He got up and he was 12 and one day old. Is just slow and boring as us. Uh, you know, he the next day, you know what he did? He got up, he ate some breakfast, and then he went to work in his carpenter shop with his dad. And that's what he did until his dad died. And then you know what he did? He worked in that carpenter shop day after day, providing for the family until we finally see him go and meet John the Baptist and get baptized. But I do want to end on this because it says they realized Jesus was not in their company. They went a day's journey and they realized, holy smokes, where's Jesus? And after they looked amongst the group, they said, we got to backtrack. We got to go back to where we lost, we last saw him. The older I get, the more stuff I lose. But I used to lose, I used to lose stuff all the time. And I'd always ask my dad, hey, dad, have you seen my, you know, fill in the blank? And he would say that thing that I think, and everybody says it when you lose something. It's the dumbest thing ever to be said in the history of the world. Where's the last time you saw it? That's the dumbest statement ever. Because if I knew where the last place I saw it, it wouldn't be lost. I would go back to under the couch, middle cushion, way, 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 way in the back. That, holy God, that's where my keys are. This is the last place I saw them. I lost them because I don't know where they are. But and I hate getting to that point because you really can't. If someone tells you something like that, you can't tell them. Well, number one, I can't tell my dad that because he slapped taste on my mouth. But you really have to take any advice they give you because you realize you lost something. It's kind of it's kind of like Lord, would you give me wisdom because I'm kind of a fool? So you've already admitted kind of messed up. And so they lost Jesus and they had to humble themselves and say, we lost him. They could have just said, we can't have people think we lost Jesus, the miracle baby. We can't have people think that. And they could have just kept on marching on back to Nazareth. And the only problem would have been Jesus wouldn't have been with them. But they humbled themselves and said, we lost him. And he wasn't here. So then they said, okay, well, we got, we have to backtrack. We have to go backwards back to Jerusalem to find him. We had to humble themselves. And a lot of Christians, we do the same thing. We go to the temple, church, or Bible study, and we have a good time, and the Lord speaks to us, and it's a good, you know, it's a great time and all that. And we leave, but we leave Jesus at church. We leave Jesus at the meeting. We go back home, and Jesus isn't with us. We go to work, and Jesus isn't with us. We go around our friends, and Jesus isn't with us. It's just the same old cussing, fighting, mean, whatever, us. And we don't, and that's a good way to be a hypocrite, by the way, because Oh, I know right where Jesus is when I need him. I see you on Sunday, Jesus. I see you on Friday, Jesus. No, you take him home with you. But the problem is, sometimes in the hustle and the bustle, we do leave him at church. We do forget him. And the thing is, what do we do? What do we do? Because you live long enough, it is going to happen. You can jot it down, you can turn, turn to it later, but Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is talking to the churches. He's talking to the uh, the Ephesus church, the Ephesian church, and he says, you guys are good. You guys are a good church. Your labor, your works, your doctrine, people come in spreading false doctrine, and you chase those fools out. You guys are on it. Your patience, you go through tribulation like soldiers, you're on it. You're a good church. 
He says, but this is the thing I have against you. He says, you've left your first love. He says, you're doing all this right stuff, but you're forgetting who you're doing it for. So many churches, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing this and that, but they really have forgotten who they're doing it for. They're praying to Jesus, God bless this, Jesus help us to do this. And what we need to come back is, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, lead me and guide me and lead us to be your hands to do what you want us to do. And we're doing all this stuff. And Jesus, that's nice. But, Lord, you know, you're doing all this stuff in my name. But do you love me? Because I kind of feel like you don't. And he says, that's what I have against you. And he says, this is what I want you to do. He says, remember. It's the three R's. Remember. And then he says, repent. And repent is just a fancy word for turn around. Admit that you 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 lost. Admit that you're wrong. Uh, admit that you don't have it like Mary and Joseph. They repented because they were going to Nazareth. They had to turn around. They had to go back to Jerusalem. And he says, turn around. And he says, do the first works. What in the world does that mean? We look back and it's like, man, I, I left Jesus somewhere. He says, you go back to where you last saw him. And you do what you were doing when you were red hot on fire for him. If it was listening to Bible studies, get back to listening to Bible studies. If it was listening to praise music, get back to to, to praise music. If it was service, do the first works. Remember how good it was. Turn around and go back and repeat. That's why it's the the three R's. And there's a story in the Old Testament. I mean, I don't need to tell it, but I want to tell it because it's it's a cool story. But, you know, it's in 2 Kings 6. And it's, I mean, if you ever just want to read some, like, stuff where you're like, holy cow, God is God, and he does miracles, and this Christianity stuff is so real, read the Old Testament. I mean, read all of it, but there's some stuff that happens in, in Kings. So they have a little school of ministry out there in, in Israel, and Elisha, uh, he saw Elijah go up in the, the, the chariots of fire, and they go up to him and they say, Master, this house that we're sharing with you, it's too small. You snore, we stink. We need some, we need a bigger spot. There's a little Jeremy Grant embellishment. So he said, we need to build a bigger place. And he says, go do it. So it says they went down to the Jordan and they started chopping down trees. And he went with them. And while they're chopping, 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 the guy said, whoa. And he says, what? He's a master. I was chopping down this tree and the axe head flew clean off. And it flew off into the Jordan River. And he says, well, Take me to where you saw it going. And he says, it went right there. And it says that Elisha threw in a stick and the axe head floated to the top. And he said, oh, yeah, that's it. And they grabbed it. I don't know if you know the, the laws of nature and everything, but metal does not float. So that's pretty cool. I mean, I'd like to see that today. But it's it's a very cool parallel of what we just talked about in Revelation. Because they're doing a good work, right? They're chopping down trees. They're doing God's work. Make a house for these guys. And then the axe head flies off. Now, they could have just faked it. I mean, you can't cut down a tree with just a piece of wood without the axe head. They could have said, make a noise, clunk, clunk, clunk. Yeah, we're doing a good job. Clunk, 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 clunk. Yep, getting getting closer to the, 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 the final product every day. Just make a noise, but make no headway. But they had to admit, we're really not doing anything. The cutting edge is gone. 
All, all we're doing is just, I mean, we're sweating. We make a lot of noise. Everybody stinks. But no trees are falling down. So what do they do? They had to admit, we lost it. Now watch this. Where's the last place you saw it? It went over there and it went, boom. They said, no problem. Threw the stick in. Great symbol of the cross. And this axe head floats up to the top. And then they go right back to it. That's something that we need to not outgrow. And the something I'm talking about is humility. Because we have this, as Christians, we kind of think it's a, a, a competition. I can't admit to this guy that I'm not uh, farther along with the Lord than I used to be. Or I can't admit to this lady that I'm kind of struggling in my walk. Or I can't admit to the Lord that things are not great like they used to be. Like the Lord doesn't know. I mean, there's two people on the earth that know at all times how me and the Lord are doing. It's me and the Lord. I can fool all y'all. But I can't fool the Lord. And I can't fool myself. So I might as well, you know, if you know, it's like, man, I know it. I, I hear how it should be so much better. I remember how it used to be so much better, but it's not. Then admit it. Humble yourself. Pray to the Lord and say, Lord, that fire is dwindling. It's dead, Lord. I need you to reignite me. Get me back where I need to be. I left you somewhere. I think I kind of remember where I left you, but I'm going back because I don't want to go to wherever I'm going without you. So that's the lesson we can take from that. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Lord, humility is definitely the name of the game, Lord. And I just ask and pray that I and we wouldn't be too proud, that we wouldn't be proud at all um, to miss out on what you want to do in our hearts and in our lives, Lord. And if uh, if our relationships with you are not as they should be, Lord, Give us the heart to admit it. Give us the will to go to you and change it. Um, stir us up to, to do what, what you told Ephesus to do, to remember, to repent, and repeat those things. But Lord, life is too long. Life is too hard to, to try to do it without you, Lord. So Lord, walk with us, be with us, Lord. Help us not to, to leave you at church, the temple, wherever we have the tendency to leave you. Lord, that you stick with us every step of the way. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed today's message, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is liveforjesusonline at gmail.com. That's L-I-V-E-F-O-R, jesusonline at gmail.com. Until next time, God bless you.